Welcome to the fifth episode of Dead People Baseball. I'm Matt, along with the Classic League Commissioner Jason, and as we head toward the All-Star break, it's time to see where the league stands after roughly half the season. Jason, what are your thoughts? Well, i got to be honest, I have been looking forward to this particular episode since probably just before the season started, when we started talking about how to do this, uh, this podcast, um, All-Star break was on my mind. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. We've got a lot of things to cover. We've got trades, we've got winning streaks, we've got losing streaks, home runs all over the place, and who will be those All-Stars? So we'll cover everything right now on Dead People Baseball. So here's the plan for this episode of Dead People Baseball. On first base, Casey Rydell will update us on the division standings, the wild card race, and some league leaders. Then Jason and I will give our thoughts on the season so far and talk about the flurry of trade activity that has taken place in the Classic League. At second base, we'll give you the Ballantine Beer Player of the Week and go right into how we feel the all-star rosters might shake out. We'll talk about who will definitely make the roster, who could be some snubs, and the potential surprises of the 2021 Kinsella and Hobbs All-Star rosters. For third base, we stick with the All-Star theme and talk about a couple new additions to the Classic League Baseball All-Star break, including the first ever home run derby. After that, we'll head home by giving our midseason MVP, Cy Young, and Rolaids Relief Man awards and let you know if we think things will change or stay the same for the end of the season. So let's get moving, and here's Casey Rydell with the Classic League Daily Update. Thank you, Matt and Jason. Let's get right into the updated Hobbs and Kinsella Division standings. One week ago, the Limerick Hurlers were seven games back of the Kinsella Division leaders, the Grand River Ghostmen. That lead has shrunk down to three and a half games. Grand River is 49-27, and 27, while the Hurlers are 46-31, and 31, and though they lost on Saturday, it was a 12-game winning streak that got them so close, and the two clubs start a four-game series on June 29th. Keep your eyes on that division race. The Harvey Wallbangers are in third place at 36-41, and 41, the Brooklyn Superbas are 35-43, and 43, and the Cleveland Spiders are 32-44 and 44 to round out the Kinsella. There's a fantastic battle in the Hobbs division as well, as Athens, Twinsburg, and the defending champion Wormtown Warriors are all playing good ball. The Bob Kittens of Athens lead the way right now at 42-33, with Twinsburg just two games back at 41-36, and and it was their win on Saturday that stopped the red-hot hurlers in their tracks. Wormtown sits at 500 with 39 wins and 39 losses. Don't count out the Brentwood Bearcats either. The one-time division leaders are just seven and a half games out of first at 35 and 41, while the North Coast Crashers have a record of 29 and 49 as we approach the halfway point. As for the wild card race, it's Limerick and Twinsburg leading the way, while Wormtown is in third. That race will go all the way to the end as anything can happen in the Classic League. How about some league leaders for you? The Harvey Wallbangers' Josh Gibson has fallen slightly off of a record-breaking home run pace as he has 29 on the season, but we know he's capable of some multi-home run games. 
Lou Gehrig of the Spiders and Mickey Mantle of Grand River keep hitting big flies too, and they have 23 each. And the quartet of Ghostman Ted Williams, Hurler Vladimir Guerrero, Tornado Babe Ruth, and Warrior Mule Suttles all have 21 homers. During the Hurler's winning streak, Tris Speaker was red hot and has had a hit in 27 of the past 28 games to take over the league lead in batting average at 366. He took over for John Beckwith of Athens, who now has a 361 average, while Oscar Heavy Johnson, who thrives in the three hole, for Cleveland sits at 358. Cleveland's home run Johnson has been benched, so he's probably not going to break the single-season hit-by-pitch record, but Stan Musial of Harvey looks to challenge the doubles mark as he has 25 on the year. On the pitcher's mound, we've got four men in the double-digit win club now. Rube Waddell of Grand River leads the way at 14. Max Manning picked up his 12th win for the Tornadoes on Saturday. Reb Russell stated 11 wins for Limerick, and the Hurlers' ace Addie Joss now has 10 wins for his squad. We are down to just one qualifying pitcher under the 3.0 ERA mark, and that is Leroy Matlock of the Athens Bob Kittens. He continues to limit runners and has a 2.34 ERA. Addy Joss is in second place with a 3.12, and Three Finger Brown of the Brentwood Bearcats has a 3.13 ERA. The top five is completed by Slim Jones, also of Athens at 3.19, and Rube Waddell of Grand River with a 3.22. Satchel Page continues to rack up the big K's for Brentwood as he now has double-digit lead in the race for the most strikeouts. His 129 lead Waddell and Slim Jones as they have 118 each. Pedro Martinez and Nolan Ryan, also Brentwood teammates, have 106 each. So get your bats ready when you play the Bearcats because they're going at hitters hard every time. That's a quick version of what you get every week on Classic League Daily, so make sure to join us next week and listen later in this show for the Ballantine Beer Player of the Week. Matt and Jason, back to you. Thank you, Casey Rydell. All right, Jason, initial thoughts on how the season is going so far. Look at the standings. What, what are your thoughts? I don't think there are too many surprises. I, I, I think back to our preseason predictions episode, um, I, I think some of the top to bottom, the, the way the teams shape up, uh, are kind of how I expected them in, in many ways. I think uh, the surprises might be some of the records. I think um, you, you see, I think there's probably more teams under 500 than maybe I would have expected. Yeah. And I think some of that has to do with uh, teams like Athens and yourself getting really hot for long stretches um, and, and kind of beaten up on some of those teams that were struggling at the same time that those teams were hot. Yeah. Do you think the league standings are kind of a good indicator of where the season is going, or do you think there's still a lot of movement that could take place? There's always that chance that teams you know, could shuffle around. Uh, it doesn't take much for a team to go on a hot streak or, or a dry spell, but um, I, I would expect the, the teams that are doing well are relying on strengths that are uh, not surprising strengths. They, they can continue to rely on those strengths. I think what it's going to take for shuffling to happen are teams uh, towards the bottom of the standings really getting creative, trying to make moves, uh, trying to improve their teams. You know, in the next few weeks, it's got to happen quick or it's not going to happen right. at all. And we'll talk about um, some of the trades that took place in just a moment. So, obviously, I was one of the teams that was very active. Um, and now I've got, again, we talked about it, the 12-game winning streak. I've got a really good grip on the wild card. Do you think that 
at this point it's kind of mine to lose or do you think there's still some really big moves that could take place harvey coming back or wormtown getting hot brentwood making a move that kind of thing it's certainly yours to lose i think the moves you made uh definitely filled any uh weaknesses that you had to the point where you know i feel like my team is is a little nervous <laughs> about about what's happening and um, I, I definitely think that uh, given the fact that um, you've got teams behind you that uh, have strengths they can also rely on, um, I, I think there's always that chance that they, they could catch you, especially in head-to-head matchups, um, but certainly yours to lose. Yeah. So let's actually let's, let's dive into those trades. So um, the, the big trade activity started on, on June 8th. Um, it started with the Limerick Hurlers trading Frog Redis to Brentwood for Tom Seaver. And that was a big move that, um, you know, I, I looked at my team and I saw, look, I've got this weakness in the pitching rotation. I need to get another arm. Um, I actually made a few different offers to uh, Keith for this pick. Tried to get Satchel, tried to get uh, Pedro Martinez, and it ended up that I ended up with Tom Seaver and it's working out pretty well. Sure. I think that move was a really good move for you, for both teams because obviously Keith, for whatever reason, is having a lot of struggles on offense. He's got a lot of superstars who are not playing like superstars for this year, and that sometimes that happens. Uh, Redis is a guy who is usually pretty consistent um, in terms of batting average. Sometimes his, his power you know, co- goes up or down. Uh, but I feel like he's also starting to thrive uh, on on Keith's team as well, and Seaver was his fourth starter, having a good year. Um, certainly had a, a plethora of pitching, so he was able to you know trade a strength to fill a weakness, and you did the same thing. Yep. And that on that same day, um, I took Juan Marichal and Raleigh Fingers. I sent them to the Harvey Wallbangers for Barry Bonds and Wilbur Wood, neither of which remained on my team for very long. Um, we'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, because on the ninth, uh, you actually made a pretty good trade. You got Ed Walsh. Uh, I don't know if Greg kind of gave up on Ed Walsh, but uh, you gave up Lefty Grove and Al Rosen and ended up with Ed Walsh. So where where was your thought process on that when you made that move with Greg? I'll be honest. He sent um, an email to the league about a lot of pitchers he was putting on the block. Ed Walsh shocked me to the point where I made a knee jerk reaction. I did saying, too. I saying, did hey, too. I'm what interested. But when 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 I reached out to him, I kind of rethought the process, thinking, well, he is struggling, Walsh, that is, mm-hmm. and his history is too hard to pass up. So I kind of reconsidered, and I said, I don't really have a place to put him to take a chance on him. I'm not sure who you want, but let me know, you know what offers you might get, and I'll see if I can beat out that offer. Um, a few days later, he actually approached me with the offer that was completed. Um, I, I'm guessing just players that he thought could fill uh, needs that he had. And uh, I certainly was not going to turn down the opportunity because I was considering possibly trading him for a hitter. Oh, which, were you? Which, oh, were you? How, how many, how many, how many, how many games did Ed Walsh pitch for you, Jason? Uh, he did not even get to uh, size up a uniform. He didn't even get a uniform because on the next day, June 10th, there's a big three-team deal between myself, Limerick Curlers, Jason, Grand River Ghostmen, and the Twinsburg Tornadoes, uh, PJ. Um, so Twinsburg ended up getting Ed Walsh, 
from you and I, George Brett from you as well, right? Right. And then I gave him Willie McCovey and Bob Gibson, guys that I wasn't really using. Jason, who'd you get in this deal? Ted Williams. Maybe you've heard of him, the mm-hmm. Splendid Splendor. Yeah, I've heard of him. Had some clubhouse uh, quarrels. Just a with, just with, a <laughs> just a terrible guy to have in the clubhouse. From apparently. what I hear, I'm going I'm going <laughs> off of uh, uh, Twitter hearsay here. Uh, and then uh, in, infielder Bobby Gritch. I was in need of a utility guy. Because I had I was losing George Brett right, and I in that deal I ended up with Hal Trotsky um, and Earl Averill. Earl Averill is a guy I've had on my team several years. I'm pretty sure he was on the 2018 squad that won the title, and uh, I've plugged him into the DH role. He hadn't had much of an opportunity this year, um, so then because I got Earl Averill, I no longer had a need for uh, a guy named Barry Bonds that I had just traded for. Two days prior, which might be surprising to some listeners if you're if you don't follow the league, right? Barry Bonds is having a terrible year, for whatever reason. <laughs> I, I went back and looked. Actually, he was. Uh, we we just came across an old file from eleven years ago, our 2010 season, and I had Barry Bonds on my team that year. And I went back and looked at the career statistics for him. This year is such an anomaly, but yeah. you know what? It's that kind of guy that you gotta have. You gotta take a chance on him. Because you never, because we know what he can do, and who knows when he's going to click into place and, and get it back to what he used to be. So that being said, I was able to send Barry Bonds and Jim Handebo uh, to the Cleveland Spiders for Jeff Bagwell. So now I've got Bagwell playing first base. I moved Jimmy Fox over to third base, so Bagwell could play first, and then. About a week and a half later, Bagwell was doing very well for me. He actually had a couple home runs while he was with the team. But you know what? I, I wanted to get Jimmy Fox back to first base, so I reached out to the fire sale that is the North Coast Crashers and uh, said, hey, I'll give you Jeff Bagwell and Alec Radcliffe, who was a player I protected uh, in the offseason. No, Archie Vaughn. Oh, I, I yeah, always get him yeah, confused. But, but Radcliffe is a guy you always take. A guy that always, he, he's always, always a hurler. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know what, I'll give you those guys and let me get Chipper Jones back. So I can move Jimmy Fox back to first, put Chipper Jones in at third, bat him low in the order. And that's worked out really well for me too. Yeah, Fox obviously um, is a, a great offensive player, but uh, surprisingly, well maybe not surprisingly, maybe um, a lot, not a lot of people may realize that he is a pretty solid defensive first baseman. Actually in the uh, running for the gold glove you know, obviously it's only halfway through the year, but, um, you know, he, he is, uh, in the running for that and, uh, certainly not a very good defensive third baseman. So it made sense. And Chipper Jones being a switch hitter gives you some versatility there. Another guy who's kind of having a down year, but, um, like you said, you never know when guys can turn it around. And that's the fun of this league is that there, there are never any certainties, um, and the more that we play, the more we realize uh, that it, it's real realistic in the sense of those ebbs and flows because you got rosters full of superstars. Absolutely. And, I mean, just thinking about that, too, you, you mentioned, like, the gold glove part of it. And, you know, I've got Jimmy Fox playing great defense at first, Dick Lundy playing amazing defense up the middle at short, and then I've got my center fielder, Tris Speaker, also that kind of guy helping out the defense Helping keep my pitchers with low, I mean, help my pitchers get better at better results as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something to remember as well. So if you're if you have questions about defensive ratings, things like that, it's always a good thing to look into. Um, and Mr. Commissioner is always ready to field those questions. 
So there are teams that are probably looking to make a few moves, try to get a little bit better as we get to the halfway point, get to the all-star break. Are there some free agents out there that, you know, maybe have had a chance in the Classic League in the past um, or just sitting there like, wow, why hasn't anyone picked these guys up? When you think about some hitters that that are out there available, who comes to mind? Sure. I don't think um, you're ever going to be at this point in the season and have guys on the free agent list that are like, wow, I can't believe they're on a roster. But I always feel like there are players that may slip through the cracks during the draft um, that maybe have had rough years in the spring or, you know, rough numbers in the spring or rough years uh, in the recent past. Um, But when you have struggles on your current squad, you know, it helps to kind of go back to those preseason stats that we send out to everyone. Look at the season by season, look at the career numbers in the league uh, to look at, you know, who might be some guys to help. I think when I look at uh, hitters, um, a couple guys that jump out to me uh, that have been on squads in the past, uh, Bob Johnson is a guy who I like, oh, who yeah. actually I let go yeah. during the spring. He's a he's a pretty good on-base average and power guy. He can play a few different positions. Uh, Harmon Killebrew is a guy who has been on teams in the past. Um, if you need power, you know he's not going to hit for average, but he has a decent on-base percentage, uh, has some of the higher uh, power percentages in the league. Um, David Ortiz is a guy who uh, is newer to the league and mm-hmm. has struggled in the league. But again, he might be a guy that maybe he's will a rookie. Click at he's a some rookie. Point. He's yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah, he's trying to figure it out. And uh, a, a guy who I like who's good, uh, good batting average and good defensively is Kirby Puckett. He's a guy who's oh, kind yeah. of been in and out of the league. Um, outfield is just there's so many of them that it's hard for for guys uh, who you've heard of before to make rosters, even if they may end up being good because there's so many good outfielders. Sure. And, you know, there were a few uh, signings this week, this past week, um, I think. Was it Greg that picked up Jim Palmer? Um, Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn picked up yeah. Jim Palmer. I saw it. There was, a, there was a lot of signings and releases taking place over the week, too. Mm-hmm. So Jim Palmer was a guy that, you know, I've had my eye on in the past, and I think he's even – I've had him on my team a few times. What about some other pitchers that might be out there either did, – um, did you look at starters, relievers, a little bit of both? What's your – A little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I know when we originally talked about this segment, Palmer was on my list. He's a guy who has really good, like, real-life numbers. His whip is low. His ERA is low, uh, high strikeouts. Those are things you want to look for. Um, so I thought that was a, a good signing. Uh, there are some other starters, uh, like Roy Oswalt is a, oh. a newer guy who has had some success in the league. Um, I think the last time he was on a roster, he struggled. Um, and it's not, you know, uh, it's it's common for teams or players, I should say, to be on a roster for a few years and then disappear for a while right. because people are always trying new guys out. Um, David Cohn is, is a guy who I think could go one way or the other. Um, he's kind of like Mike Mussina, who was a guy who was signed this week too, who's mm-hmm. had a little bit of success in both roles, but also has struggled from time to time. And a couple of relievers that I like, um, I know Harvey picked up some relievers th- uh, that I had suggested. I kind of gave him a list of guys who I thought might be good. Uh, some guys who are also on that list, George McQuillan, Tom Williams, two guys that I've had in the past that if I needed a reliever, I'd probably go sign them right now. I don't need one, so I'm you know, certainly happy to kind of um, throw names out there because ultimately you got to take the chance, make your decision yourself, and see how it goes because yep. nothing's ever a certainty. Yeah, and that, I mean, that was earlier too. I had that 
that two-for-one trade where I said, hey, I got to pick someone up. Hey, Jason, take a look at my team. What do you see? Where do you where do you see a potential hole? And he was like, you know, you're in good shape on the starters, but if you want a guy to cover up for some injuries, Andy Messersmith. That was a guy you had that you suggested. Yeah. Picked him up, and I was like, as soon as you said his name, it was one of those things like, oh yeah, we've seen him in the league a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a good track record, so just a just a, a no brainer. Pick up, add him to the Hurlers roster, and move forward. I think uh, I think we've spent a good amount of time here at first base as. Uh, offenses unfortunately often do sometimes so that is uh, it for first base and we're gonna get ready to head to second okay Jason to start things for second base we're gonna kick it back over to Casey Rydell for the Ballantine beer player of the week Casey you still there I'm here, and what a week it was for the Limerick Hurlers and their first, I mean third, I mean first baseman Jimmy Fox. Double X contributed quite a bit to the 12-game winning streak you might have heard about from the Hurlers' Twitter page. Fox hit 393 for the week, had four home runs, and knocked in 11 RBI for the squad, and that didn't include his game last Saturday where he had two home runs and seven RBI. Congratulations to Jimmy Fox on his Ballantine Beer Player of the Week honor. Thank you again, Casey Rydell. Go grab a Ballantine Beer for your work today. What a great voice that guy has, I gotta tell you. So Jason, as long as we're talking about Jimmy Fox, he is one of my Limerick curlers. I'm looking at his numbers, and he had an amazing week this week, but will it be enough to secure him a spot on the Kinsella Division roster? You know, roster spots uh, for all-star teams are, are always tough. You, you only have a couple for each position, sometimes maybe only one for a position. Um, I look at the first baseman for the Kinsella division, and you got five teams, and pretty much every single one of them ha- has a good first baseman. Yeah. Um, I think his, his week um, has definitely helped him quite a bit because I know that his average was not great before this week, and right. now it's looking much more respectable. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. So as so kind of thinking along those lines, before we get into some of the guys that are just guaranteed to make the all-star team, if you look at the way the league is going right now, what um, who do you see that could miss out on the all-star game? That I mean, again, we're a league of players that are the best of the best. Who's going to miss out on the all-star game? And, and you're going to look at it and be like, how did that guy not make the all-star team? I think when I uh, think of snubs for the Classic League, almost almost all of them, the glaring snubs, tend to be either outfielders or pitchers. Right. Because that's going to be a position that just has a ton of great talent. Um, we already mentioned first baseman. Um, I also look at players that may be having good years that play for teams that are not doing so well because you're always going to kind of give the edge and reward the teams who are doing well. A um, couple players that kind of jump out to me, I was kind of going through the list. Uh, Albert Bell is a guy who's having a really good season for yeah. Brooklyn. Brooklyn's not doing so well. They're under 500. Bell plays DH, so he's also got. you're also battling against outfielders when you know you yourself are, are the fourth outfielder on sure. that team. Um, same division, same position, Larry Walker of Cleveland. Oh, yeah. He's a guy having another really good year um, power-wise. Um, but you know maybe doesn't stack up quite as well against some of his some of these other uh, competition in that division. It's a really good division yeah. in terms of outfield talent, um, and 
in the other division, uh, one pitcher that popped out to me was Three Finger Brown. Um, you know, he might get left off because he doesn't have a good win percentage. I think he has a losing record. Obviously, yeah. playing for Brentwood, who's having his offensive struggles, um, isn't a strikeout guy. So you're really relying on that ERA. But it's it's crazy to think a guy like that might not make it because he's been in the top five of ERA pretty much all season. Yeah, he's been doing a really good job. And again, one of the guys that uh, when you're when you're talking about trades with Brentwood uh you bring him up and and Keith's pretty much "Ah, no no I'm good I'm gonna hold on to three finger brown so that that makes a lot of sense yeah I think I mean I think the the snubs you know they're gonna happen um again because of the talent pool that we have but what about the guys that are guaranteed to make the all-star team right now who are gonna be some of the guys that are trotting out there on was it july 13th 13th july 13th july 13th midsummer classic at crosley field classic classic (laughs) (laughs) who are some of the guys that are definitely going to be there like let's think about let's talk about outfielders yeah i think um one outfielder that plays for wormtown left fielder mule subtles is a guy uh really he probably is more of a natural first baseman but um Wormtown decided uh, with the offensive uh, players that they had drafted, um, you know, using him as a, as a left fielder, and I think uh, offensively is definitely going to make it. For sure. Um, I think I looked at, um, when I was looking at the locks, I'm looking at teams who may be 500 or below at the mm-hmm. time that we're recording this, uh, so he, him being one of them. Um, I mentioned Larry Walker as a snub for Cleveland before. Uh, another aspect to that is every team's got to have a representative. Usually they'll have more than one representative, but Lou Gehrig. And, I mean, first baseman, again, like, you know he's going to take up a spot. That's a guy who's just having a monster year. Um, no doubt will be on the all-star roster. Uh, and then, of course, Josh Gibson, you know, oh, as, a, yeah. as a catcher for Harvey, you know, threatening to break his own home run record. He's in the batting average race. He's up there in RBI. Um, and obviously one of the uh, best players in the league, bar none. Um, and not bad defensively either. Has a, a rocket for an arm. Yep, yep. So now let's talk about some of some of the surprises in the league this year. Some of the guys that are, I wouldn't say coming out of nowhere, again, uh, the talent pool that we have is Hall of Famers and All-Stars and the best of the best. But who are some of the guys that maybe we haven't seen in the past that are just having really good years and they're like, you know what, it's my time, I'm going to the All-Star game. So when I looked at the potential surprises, I was looking at guys who may not have been in the league um, recently or maybe have not had regular uh, appearances, you know, a regular spot on the team's uh, roster who are getting a chance this year. Red Long, going back to Wormtown. Oh, yeah. He's a guy who did come out of nowhere. Yep. Um, don't know if he's going to have the numbers to make the all-star team, but he's certainly a guy that is uh, worthy of the conversation and a guy who, again, no one had heard of before, so um, worth talking about. Um, Dick Allen of Brooklyn. Uh, Dick Allen has been in this league quite RBIs, a bit. RBIs, man. Yeah. He's driving him in. He, he is usually a guy who is on someone's bench or maybe platooning. Brooklyn threw him in there after a great spring, and he is a guy who continued to have uh, production even as the season went along. And as you mentioned, uh, one of the leaders in RBI. Yeah. 
First base again, uh, a tough battle. <laughs> you, may, you know, but if if he's not a surprise, then he certainly could be considered a snub if he doesn't make it. Sure. And uh, another guy that popped out to me, um, Cal Ripken Jr., uh, a guy who, if again, if you don't follow our league, you think, well, you know, wouldn't he always be uh, an all-star type of player? Um, and he just comes from that era of low on-base percentage, maybe high strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is producing in the power uh, department and plays a solid shortstop. He's he's good with the glove, um, and really his average is is not too bad either for a guy who is not necessarily known for a, a high average. I think he's hitting around two seventy, which is respectable. Sure. Still a lot to be decided between now and July sixth when we announce the All Star teams. That's it for second base. We head to third base now to grab a dipper. Jason, what are you drinking during this episode of Dead People Baseball? Well, Valentine beer, of course. No, Jason. No. That's our little comedy bit for the show. No, we're drinking Academy IPA from Franklin Brewing Company right here in Elyria, Ohio. Great West Coast IPA. Nice and bitter. Delicious. Now let's talk about some new additions to the Classic League Baseball All-Star break at Crosley Field. The first thing I want to mention isn't new, Jason. You turn injuries off for the All-Star game, right? We don't need people tripping over sprinkler heads at Crosley Field, slipping in the mud. That is correct. We make sure that everyone stays healthy um, that is participating in the All-Star game. Uh, Of course, if anyone is injured in a regular season game leading up to the All-Star game, uh, they're replaced with uh, an All-Star replacement. I noticed that in our little time capsule that we discovered in uh, 2010. We had a couple guys. Doesn't happen often, but it does happen from time to time. So Pop Fisher can rest assured that sending his players to Crosley Field (laughs) will not result in any injuries. Um, The next new thing, and I'm I'm super excited about this, Jason. We've talked about possibly doing it in person a little bit, playing the game live. The Home Run Derby. How's this going to work, man? Well, the Home Run Derby is going to hopefully work similar to the way the board game of Stratomatic Works. The board game is how the game originally uh, was created back in the 60s, I believe it was. Um, unfortunately, don't have that option. The computer game... Right. We saw some guys talking about it on Facebook, right? Yeah, so we joined that Stratomatic face- Facebook group, and uh, that kind of helped me understand what the board game wa- was uh, was like. Um, but really, it's going to be eight guys uh, participating, four from each uh, division. And they'll have results on a scorecard. It's either going to be a home run or it's going to be an out. Numbers 2 through 12, you roll the dice, look at the result. Uh, if it's a home run, obviously they rack up their total. And if it's an out, they get uh, 10 outs per round. And then whoever has the most moves on to the next round. Um, I've been looking for a way to try and incorporate a home run derby into this league for a while. So we'll uh, give this a shot and see if it's cool and if it is. So I'm guessing the guys with, like, a Josh Gibson is going to have more opportunities to hit a home run with every roll? Yeah, however uh, many home runs you have in the regular season, um, the higher you are out of those four participants, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be ranked number one if you're higher up, and you're going to have more home run results on your uh, scorecard. And so we've got a lot of guys, too, that are hitting home runs on teams where they where they may not make the all-star team. Are we going to use, like, do you have to be an all-star to get into the home run derby, or are we going to do it where, you know, we're going to pick the eight best 
home run hitters, four from each division, obviously, and that's going to be our home run derby. We're not going to uh, make them be all-star participants. That'll give uh, home run hitters who may not have good averages a better chance to get in. Ah. But we're also uh, not just going to pick the top eight, and we're going to make sure that uh, a team doesn't have more than one representative. So you'll see eight players from eight different teams. Right. That's cool. And, you know, just again, um, Casey Rydell talked about them a little bit, but here's the top uh, home run performers so far. You've got Josh Gibson from Harvey, Lou Gehrig from Cleveland, Mickey Mantle, and Ted Williams from Grand River. Man, one of those guys is going to be mad. You know, they, <laughs> uh, they got Ted Williams got traded, could have been there, but, you know, he's not. Vladimir Guerrero from the Limerick Curlers, Babe Ruth of Twinsburg, Mule Suttles of the Wormtown Warriors, Joe DiMaggio, another Grand River Ghost, man. You guys, man, you're popping the ball out of the park. And, of course, hammering Hank Greenberg uh, from Harvey. That's kind of our top, uh, was that, eight, nine, ten, whatever, um, players in the home runs right now. So, something else we're adding in this year is we're going to be doing a vote on Twitter for the designated hitter for the All-Star teams. Unintentional rhyme there. How's that going to work? Well, we're going to announce those all-star teams on July 6th, and I will know who the position player starters will be, but no one else will. They won't be announced. Because it's based on strength. Right. So I will uh, pose four bench players from each division in a fan vote on our Classic League Twitter, which is... At Classic League 05... And you will have 24 hours to be able to vote for who the starting designated hitter will be, um, which will be announced on July 11th. So the starters, including the DH winners, will be announced um, all together on July 11th, which is uh, the Sunday before the All-Star Game. Great. So we've got things all squared away, for the most part, for this year's All-Star Game. Jason, it's time to announce... Who will be hosting the 2022 All-Star Game for Classic League Baseball? All right, drum roll, please. The host of the 2022 All-Star Game will be Athens Tiger Stadium. Congratulations, Athens Bob Kittens. All right, so that's a lot of dates, a lot of numbers coming at you. So, Jason, run those back one more time. What are the important dates we need to remember for 2021 All-Star Game, Crosley Field. All right, so July 6th, the All-Star teams will be announced. July 7th, the Home Run Derby participants will be announced. July 9th, the DH vote on Twitter will begin, and the results of that vote will be released on July 11th, along with the rest of the starting lineups, uh, batting order, starting pitcher, etc., the events taking place July 12th, the Home Run Derby, followed by the All-Star Game on July 13th. And the day after the All-Star Game, July 14th, we will be releasing that 2022 All-Star Game logo, which we already mentioned was going to be in Athens. Yes, so watch that via Twitter. That wraps up third base. All right, Jason, let's head home, talk about our mid-season award winners. Now, uh, the Stratomatic program issues these awards at the end of the year, along with gold gloves and silver sluggers, manager of the year, all that stuff. We're just going to talk about the three big ones. 
the Cy Young, the MVP, and the Roll Aids Relief Man. And as we go through each one, we'll revisit our predictions from the third episode of Dead People Baseball, um, starting with the Cy Young. So when we did that third episode, I predicted that Rube Waddell, your ace, I guess, would be the winner. You predicted that Addy Joss, my ace, would be the winner. What are you thinking right now? Both are having good seasons. They sure are. Um, I f- basically agree with you now. <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I mean, I know he's my own pitcher, and I was going to try and not go with my own pitcher. But I also um, know that he's leading in, in the in the race now, because as the Strat games go along, you know, those awards continue to be updated. Um so I, I'm going to go with Rube Waddell just because it's hard not to. Going with a four-man rotation, he mm-hmm. gets a lot of opportunities. So a lot of strikeouts, a lot of wins, um, and his ERA is is up there as well. Yep. I'm actually going to switch up on you. I'm going to go away from Rube Waddell. I see that uh, Athens has added Leroy Matlock into his rotation quite a little, a little while back now, and he's performing very well. Um, a guy that I had on my team in years past – I really think Leroy Matlock is coming on strong, and if he continues to do what he's doing, that's a guy that could overcome Rube Waddell in the Cy Young race, right? Absolutely. That's a good pick. Uh, Athens recently switched to a four-man rotation. Dizzy Dean was struggling, took him out. Instead of replacing him with a four-man, uh, which has really paid off. Uh, the The win streaks are I, not really, I shouldn't say streak, but the winning he's hot. trend yes, hot. Uh, began because of that. Uh, Slim Jones getting more opportunities is you know, climbing up the leaderboard in a lot of pitching mm-hmm. categories as well. Uh, but Leroy Matlock really is a, a good pick. He's He's uh, been uh, a guy who has been in the Cy Young talk in the past. Struggled, I, I think last year struggled, struggled mm-hmm. in the spring. Um, but as soon as he put him in there, he responded. And he's one of those, uh, you, you know, if you're on a losing streak and he's up, he has a good chance to stop it for you, which is what you want. I was really surprised early in the season that he was not in the Athens rotation because I remember... I remember when he was taken in the draft because because of his bad season last year, I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and taking him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Lonnie made me pay. Yeah, I mean, Matlock, he, he holds a single-season record in wins in this league. Yep. You know, as a pitcher, I, I, I believe the number was 26. Um, it was a while ago, but, I mean, if you he hold, any, yeah, if you hold a record it. in this league, you can <laughs> always do it again. All right. Let's look at the MVP next. And at the beginning of the season, I, I don't even want to... <laughs> I don't even want to say who I said it was going to be. <laughs> you know, it was a sentimental was pick sentimental, at the time. Very yeah. sentimental. I had picked Hank Aaron. Um, he is showing some pop, but he's not hitting for average anywhere near the MVP race. Uh, and you picked John Beckwith. So, looking back and looking to where we are now, what's your what's your new MVP pick? I don't think I can go with anyone other than Josh Gibson. I know Harvey is kind of struggling in, in the record department right now but is in it is in you know the the within range of a wild card mm-hmm. because of Josh Gibson. Right. I mean the guy is chasing his own home run record um is I mean he might be a triple crown winner. And yeah. when when you have a guy like that that is performing at his peak um you know he he, he kind of reminds me of what Babe Ruth did for Twinsburg at the end of last season where oh. Twinsburg was Kind of like up and down throughout the year, and then September came around, and Babe Ruth just caught absolute red hot. He fire. Babe Ruthed all over the place. Carried Twinsburg <laughs> to a division championship on his shoulders. 
when you have a guy like that, you know, as long as you can hang around, those guys can lead you to the promise. Get land. you in the playoffs and see what happens, right? All right, so I'm actually going to switch, and I'm going to go with your preseason pick, John Beckwith. Um, he's a guy who's doing it all for his team and um, hitting for average, driving people in. and um, So, I mean, Beckwith's still not a bad pick. You, you could have easily stuck with him. I could have, yeah. All right, let's go to the Rolades Relief, or excuse me, the Rolades Fireman Relief Award. I wish Major League Baseball could pick a different uh, partner for that. I think they actually <laughs> changed the name, and we just stuck with it. <laughs> I don't think it's called that anymore. Right. But it's fun, so we stick with it. Um, at the beginning of the season, I picked Jonathan Papelbon, who is having a, a fairly good season, just not getting a ton of opportunities. And you picked Billy Wagner. And I think you and I would both agree now that the Rolades Fireman Relief Award should go to Bruce Suter. Bruce Suter. Yeah. Leading the league in saves, 23 of them. Just killing it for the hurlers right yeah. now. ERA below two. Um, a lot of closers having good years this year. Uh, just Suter is getting a lot of opportunities, and he's converting um, most of them. All right. Well, with those awards, what do you think about how could things change? between now and the end of the season. Do you see Gibson could, giving it up? I mean, obviously, a million, change? A million yes, different yes. things could change. But, you know, we, we look at Josh Gibson. He's hitting for average. He's hitting for power. Um, I mean, if Harvey climbs the standings even a little bit, it's going to be like an Alex Rodriguez real-life situation when he was with the Rangers. Um, but, I, I mean, an injury? Right. I think, um, I, I think for Gibson, it goes – really only one way and that is for Harvey as a team to falter um cuz he you don't expect him to falter he's right. probably not going to usually when he is playing well he continues to play well throughout the year um so i don't see that changing um and of course i have i have the advantage of being able to look at those awards in the game um so i can kind of see like who's in the top 5 and there are some players on winning teams, Grand River, Limerick, uh, Athens, who are definitely in that race, that if they go down to the wire and maybe that player gets hot and is the reason why they achieve what they achieve, could surpass Gibson. But as long as Gibson is chasing records, uh, it's going to be tough to, to beat him. Yep. He is a force to be reckoned with. He's multiple-time MVP in this league. Uh, multiple-time home run leader. I mean, just ever since 2010, we were able to incorporate those Negro League stats. He has been probably the best player in Classic League Baseball. No doubt. For I mean, if we, yeah, he is the best player. Um, if you know, we redraft, and you've he, got the number one pick. He's got to be number one. You I think, to. you know, because him and Babe Ruth uh, have very similar type of skill sets, but the fact that Gibson plays catcher just kind of is the yep. cherry on top because... And what's his arm rating? Uh, negative three, which is pretty damn good. One of the best in the game. Um, but you talk about things changing too. pitchers. That's another story. I don't even want to get into that conversation because you never know with pitchers. (laughs) Now, will Strat ever make a pitcher the MVP or do they strictly relegate them to the Cy Young award? Um, yeah. In fact, in this league, I think pitcher has won MVP a couple times. Oh, okay. it doesn't happen too often. Um, they really have to dominate. It has to be one of those yeah. years where they just like twenty six and one, yeah. one point three ERA. Waddell was close last year because he he won oh, the pitching that's... triple crown. Oh yeah, um, and yeah, him and him and Ruth and DiMaggio, I believe, were the three that kept going back and forth as the season, you know, yeah. went to the end. 
So that's it. That's a home run. We've been all the way around the bases. Well, I think it's time for Jason and me to head back to the dugout as we bring this episode of Dead People Baseball to a close. Jason, any last words? Just a reminder to make sure that you are following our Twitter account at ClassicLeague05 because All-Star Week is going to be extra special this year uh, starting on July 6th when the All-Star teams are announced. Um, But we're going to be adding in some extra unique little things, little surprises for you. Yeah. Um, And then on July 12th, the Home Run Derby will be live tweeted from that account, so the results of each round uh, will, will be posted as they occur. Uh, we'll make sure to post uh, the, the time that that will begin um, at some point during that week as well. Excellent. Don't forget to like and follow this podcast, folks, wherever you listen to it, Spotify, Anchor, whatever. Follow at Classic League 5 on Twitter for the weekly spirited performance vote. Designated hitter voting for the All-Star Game is coming up, and watch for the participants for the Home Run Derby. Make sure you check in every week with Casey Rydell on Sunday for Classic League Daily, and our next episode of Dead People Baseball will be right before the trade deadline on July 31st. That's going to wrap it up. Have a good one. Mm